are listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 28, What Happens After the Climax? I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Josiah Gruff. I'm Hope Ann. And I'm Brandon Miller. And I always have to introduce myself last. Do you want to go first, Brandon? It's not that hard. <laughs> I guess. Let's put Brandon first. Because, because we know how much it will inflate his ego. Okay, well, Brandon, you're first. And, Hope, <laughs> and then Josiah. Hi, everyone. I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Brandon and Josiah Spot. I'm Hope Ann. I'm, and I'm Josiah Graff. <laughs> Why do you do that again? I, I, I promise I'll cooperate this time. Hey everyone, I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Brandon Miller. I'm Hope Ann. And I'm Josiah DeGraff. There we go. I think we got it this time. Cool. Now, on to the actual episode. Today we're tackling story resolutions. Back in February, Josiah, Daisy, Molina, and I sat down to discuss compelling climaxes and kind of the do's and don'ts of creating a memorable and strong climax that satisfies readers. And I'll link that episode in the show notes for you to go back and listen to if you want a refresher or maybe miss that episode. But today we're going to be continuing that discussion with Hope and Brandon, and we're going to take a look at strong resolutions, diving into what should happen after the tumult of the climax. As always, examples are a great way to start, so just fire them out there. What are some of your guys' favorite story resolutions? The spoilers are going to be rough to avoid in this episode. Yeah, well, it's kind of like with, with, our, with our climax episode that we already kind of have to just roll with it. Apologies to our viewers. <laughs> I feel like I've been reading a lot of books, but not. there are only a few that I am like, these are awesome. It's kind of sad. As for endings, I know The Hobbit actually ends really well because you have your climax and everything, and then he comes back. They're selling all of his stuff, and he has to get his house back and everything, and it's just like a really amusing end for the book, the way how it all works out. Because it's like, yeah, you're back, but now let's go rescue my house and my stuff, and it fits the tone of the book really well. I love the ending of Peter Pan because the whole book is just brilliantly written to highlight the good and bad aspects of childhood. And then the ending puts a bittersweet note on growing up. That's just really powerful, I think, as you read it, because you see Wendy growing up and getting married and like doing the normal human thing. And you see Peter not doing it. And you have to face the facts that all this fun that Peter's had and you really want to like him, but you just you can't. You have to face the music that he's not a role model for how to live your life. And it's really sad. I like that book a lot. Um, Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. Those two books are amazing. I feel like the end is really well where they've resolved everything and then there's still some twists that happen. And it just feels very realistic with it's ended, but everything isn't perfect. But also there's hope for the future. Well, as much as there is hope in those books, because they are very, they are dark books. But also the craft, the writing aspect was done super, super well. 
The book that I, I've been thinking of uh, is uh, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. For me, it has a resolu- meaningful resolution for, for a couple of interesting reasons. You know, One of it, which is, of course, the fact that you know, as a real dystopian novel, not this YA where we're saying we're dystopia, but we don't have the guts to actually pull a devastating ending. Despite the fact that Cobb ends in you know a, a terrible loss, it does a really good job of conveying hope and it brings something new about you know, and it's also just quite meaningful for the characters. And you, one of the things that the ending both evokes in it is a sense of mystery about you know of the untold stories of what the protagonist is going to do next. Balsa gives us enough hints about what the protagonist is going to do and what the new life will look like for him that's able to be quite meaningful, even though it ends with, you know, a whole place getting essentially nuked um, and destroyed. Plus, it's Ray Bradbury, and Bradbury is awesome. What about flipping over to the other side? What are some common mistakes you've seen other writers fall into when writing resolutions? They tend to go too big and too broad and they think here's the last book of the trilogy we're going to do this really cool thing and then it kind of just falls flat because it's this cool magnificent thing but it wasn't built up terribly well and what we really want is just some nice personal moments with between the main characters or whatever that that kind of goes into both the climax and the resolution but that happened in the trilogy i just read where the first two books were really good and then the third book it followed logically, but at the same time, they introduced so many new elements that you finally figured out during the climax and then the resolution. And it just felt a little off because there are so many new characters and new things happening. And it wasn't the same sort of setting that it was in the previous two books. Yeah, the resolution is supposed to bring the characters back to their old world, but as changed characters. And so you don't want your final scene feeling strange or foreign. Another mistake that I've seen a lot um, is the second climax, the the resolution as a second climax where everything builds up to the, the big battle with the villain. And then you have that. And then the last chapter is like some other battle or conflict that's just unnecessary because there's no stakes anymore. There's just people fighting because you had another chapter. When, like Hope said, what we really want is some nice personal moments between characters to tie up the story or to bring home the theme and then move on in our lives. I'm really glad that Lord of the Rings doesn't do that. (laughs) But Lord of the Rings does it in a way there's purpose to the Lord of the Rings and how it brings the changed hobbits back to the old Shire and uses that conflict to show the character growth and to to show the changed hobbits restoring the Shire as it was. But what I'm talking about as a mistake that I've seen is just a climax, a climax, end of the book. But without any extra meaning or added meaning in the second climax, it's just there to add page count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being you know a bit more more serious and less tongue in cheek, you know, I think the reason why Tolkien's climax works is because while I know everyone just thinks of Lord of the Rings as the story of the ring, I don't think in Tolkien's mind that was what the story was about. You know, the story is about the the restoration of living in the peaceful idyllic Shire. 
And, and so, yes, you know, today, you know, maybe sometime somewhat influenced by the movie, somewhat, you know, influenced by you know, our, our own natural proclivities, you know, we view the great climax that's happening when Frodo throws the ring into Mount Doom. I'm not sure that for Tolkien, that would have been, Tolkien were to compare throwing the ring into Mount Doom and restoring the common rustic land of the of the Shire, I think he would say that is the greater decision because that shows how much the hobbits have grown and that the real evil isn't far off in Mordor. The real evil is in our backyards that we need to deal with and overcome. In terms of you know what what bugs me the most about resolutions, one of the things that I sometimes get frustrated by in resolutions, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do an episode on resolutions, is it really bugs me how many novels I read that essentially have no resolution. By which I mean the, the climax happens, and two to three pages later, the whole story is done. And it feels very rushed. And, you know, I'm off to ask you questions of, well, what is what is life going to look like for the characters? And I think there a lot of authors kind of shoot themselves in the foot in this regard, because the resolution can be, you know, a really meaningful time to show us here is why everything you went through was worth it. Here are the good lives that these characters are able to live. Here's where they're able to be now. You don't go the, the Christopher Paolini route and write a hundred page resolution after the climax, because at a certain point it drags. But I would say that I think most stories could benefit from having more of a re- resolution rather than less of one. Because I think often you know, after the climax, the resolution becomes a misstep where the big bad is killed or, you know, in a fantasy story or, you know, in, a, in another genre, you know, maybe, you know, the, 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 the villain is, is discovered in the mystery. Boy finally gets a girl in a romance. After the, the the final success, we don't get to see much about what life looks like for the characters afterwards. And I think that's often you know a, a, a significant missed opportunity. Then that begs the question: If you want to see more of a resolution, what do you want to see in that resolution? What are the important elements of wrapping up a story after the climax? I think for me, what I would say is what what I want to see is I want to know what does normal everyday life look like for the protagonist and the different characters. I want to not just be told by the climax, but also shown that their lives are better for what they've gone through. And I also wanted to be to have some element of thematic resonance um, in that you know, we can see what it looks like for the characters to have fully lived out their experiments and living fully understood the right thing to do. Um, and as a result, we, we you know, in the climax, because the tension is so high, you often, you know, you don't feel the thematic resonance in the same way as the more quieter resolution scenes. One film I think of in this regard is a film that I just saw this past weekend, uh, 1917, um, and which is a very good World War One film. Um, and I think one of the things that you know, made it so good is it for a movie, it's a fairly long resolution after the climax because there's a lot of loose ends it has to sort through, um, which I think is important for resolution to do to tap the loose ends, but also takes its time after, you know, it's at times is a pretty devastating story, you know, to be able to give us kind of some measure of catharsis at the end. Um, and you need to see the film to see how it does it. But I think it does a really good job of tying up loose ends, showing us why life, well, not idyllic, because it's still in the middle of World War One, is still meaningful, and why there and you know shows the power of the different themes the film is grappling with. We're going to go to a break real quick, and we'll be right back. 
Hey listeners, earlier this month I introduced you to Michael Stanton, the host and narrator for Stories by the Embers, a series of bonus podcast episodes. In each episode, Michael gives a professional dramatic reading of a short story we've published and interviews the author about the process of writing it. Follow the link in this episode's description to listen to the first episode featuring a heretic sacrifice by Josiah DeGraff, and let us know what you think by emailing us at info at storyembers.org. We're thrilled to be running this series on the podcast, but we're only producing a few of these fireside readings and interviews, so if you want them to become a regular addition to the podcast, you need to let us know. Welcome back to our discussion on the do's and don'ts of story resolutions. We've talked some about examples of meaningful resolutions, and each of the panelists have shared some of the common mistakes they've seen in a lot of resolutions. We've covered the don'ts, basically. But now I want to switch things over to the more practical side, the do side. What are some tips you guys would give writers working on their stories resolutions? What are some things you'd encourage them to keep in mind? I would say be intentional with your resolution. Don't just write until you feel like, oh, that would be an okay place to end it and then be done because you'll either end up with a resolution that's not long enough or a resolution that just kind of dawdles on forever and over after your readers are aware that the story is over, but you still have pages of words left. Have a goal in mind of what you want to accomplish with your resolution, whether it's thematic resonance, character development, if there's important loose ends that need to be tied up. Think about what emotion you want to leave your reader feeling and then work towards that end and build your conclusion to that end. And once you've gotten there, be done. And also, quite often in a climax, what people want to see is the reactions of the characters to everything that's happened. They want to see how they're connecting. If there's relationships, they want to see the characters together. But yeah, like what Brandon said, you be intentional about it. And especially when you can mirror the beginning in some way, whether it's the emotions of the beginning, whether it's relationship, whether it's a thematic thing they failed at the beginning, now they've done it here, they're coming back to their hometown, you know, before people laughed at them, now they respect them, or vice versa, depending on the arc, or depending on the point of it. You you want it to leave an impression on your readers. It's not just like, oh, cool, now they're happy, now I'm done with the book. You want it to be, this is like the last thoughts you're leaving your readers, and you want it to mean something thematically tied into what they have learned is not just, oh, here's another scene, now we're done. Yeah, and I think combined with you know what I what I said earlier, don't be afraid of spending time on your resolution and be intentional with it. You know, I think sometimes for authors, we spend so much time on the big climax that the resolution is just treated like an afterthought. But like you said, Hope, a, a good resolution, the resolution is what uh, what's left with readers. And I think you know, spending the time to really make sure that the last impressions are strong you know, not only leaves a powerful lasting impression on the reader, but also strengthens the book as a whole. And all that comes with being intentional about it, not just make it just the uh, you know, forgotten ending you have to dash off following the climax. Thank you three for coming on, and thanks to all the listeners tuning in. You can learn more about each of the panelists at storyumbers.org slash about. And as always, shout out to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkston and Michael Stanton. What topics would you like to hear discussed on the podcast? Email info at storyumbers.org to let us know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to listen to the first episode of Stories by the Embers through the link in the show notes and let us know what you think. 
Finally, join me again on July 20th as Josiah, Deus, and Rolina tackle portraying sinful thoughts without stumbling readers on the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. Okay, Brandon. <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm back? Haven't you missed me? Oh <laughs> my gosh. I'll play the fifth. <laughs>